I love that song because lately it feels like the days just run together. We've been at the lake this week. And when you're on the water a lot, when you go to sleep at night, you start feeling this. I don't know if anybody's ever felt that rocking motion when you've been on the waves to and from day after day, secluded in your house, wherever it may be, you start feeling this rocking motion. And you just need a touch from heaven once in a while to remind you that there is a light outside of the waves that keep throwing you to and fro. And something I like to do when it's warm out in the spring is we have a nice deck at our house here. And I like to go outside early in the morning when I'm kind of going over my notes and getting my head together to preach. I like the fresh sun. All you hear is some birds, maybe a semi off in the freeway, but we won't talk about that because it doesn't doesn't go with the story as good. But 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 the God's natural sun in nature shining kind of reminds me that there is always a light at the end of every tunnel. There's always a light. And when you feel like there's no boundary, there's no finish line, when am I going to get to the end of this thing? God says, there is a finish line. You will get to it. You will endure. If Paul can endure on house arrest, you can endure this season. So that's my encouragement to you. And before you're seated, I want to give you my passage this morning. We finished up Walk This Way, a four-week series last week, and today is a new message that I pray is helpful to feeding your soul that you may be better in an hour than you were right now. The passage is Mark chapter 6, verses 1 through 6. When you have it, just emoji, amen. Emoji up, Bible emoji. I was talking earlier this week. You can really talk in emojis now. They've got one for everything and animated gifts. So it's pretty fun to talk, talk that way to people. Um, Mark chapter six, verse one through six. Verse one says, then he went out from there and came to his own country and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue and many hearing him were astonished saying, where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Is this not the carpenter? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary and brother of James, Jose, Judas, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? So it goes on to say in verse three, so they were offended at him how dare he speak full of knowledge wisdom and truth and he's just one of us isn't he just a carpenter <sighs> they were offended the bible says but jesus said back to them in verse 4 a prophet is not without honor except in his own country among his own relatives and in his in his own house now he could do no mighty work there except that he laid hands on a few sick people and healed them. I always think that's funny, that he couldn't do anything mighty there except put a hands on a few people and heal them. You see, what God calls simple, we call magnificent. 
So to us, it's a miracle that he healed them. But God says, I can do so much more than that. You have no idea how much more I can do in your life because you only live by sight and not by spirit. So when I can get you to see me in the spirit, you'll see that just laying on a hands and healing some people ain't no thing. Touch your neighbor, tell them it ain't no thing to Jesus. He only healed a few sick people, you know, and went on his way because they didn't have any faith, the Bible says. A prophet is not without honor except in his own house. Verse 6 says, And he marveled because of their unbelief. Then he went about the villages in a circuit teaching. As you take your seat this morning, this morning, this morning touch your neighbor and tell them, don't underestimate the carpenter. Don't underestimate the carpenter. I've actually preached this passage before at 1C Church, but something new jumped out at me. See, normally when you hear this, this passage, it's about understanding that the people closest to you will never respect you the same way that people don't know your, your baggage. So, so the people you always expect to join in are the ones who don't, and the ones who join in and jump ship and get in the waters with you to climb the mountains are the ones who just met you because they don't know your baggage, because they don't think you're just some carpenter's son who inherited a carpenter trait. They don't see the wisdom that God put in you because they know you as just a carpenter. But don't underestimate a carpenter. If God planned it, it's blessed. If God says it, it is finished. My title this morning is A Carpenter's Belt. A Carpenter's Belt. See, I don't want to preach the same message about that in this passage. And what jumped out to me is when he said, is this not the carpenter? You see, he demoted Jesus because of what he was known as by the people. Is it not just a carpenter? And before we get into the message, I do want to give the disclaimer that if you've been watching on the website right now, you would not even be seeing this message because it's showing the replay. We do want to apologize. We are working on that. So if you go to 1cchurch.org slash live right now, it's showing you a replay. But good news, you can go to Facebook, um, two different Facebook pages, three different Facebook pages, two YouTubes, the One Seat app. There's a lot of ways to watch online. So hopefully you're watching through the ways that work. But we are working on that. So thank you for the feedback. We are aware and we're going to make it right for next week, we pray. We said that before and a couple times before that. But it really will work this time coming up. But back to the message. When, when you first get married and you have nothing, you know, what do they do? They throw you like a shower, a marriage shower, and so you register for the things you need. And nowadays, it may be just me getting old. It seems like this is a gift that people don't ask for as much. But when I was getting married, the first thing I knew I needed was a toolbox because I didn't have no tools. I didn't have anything. And I remember my mother-in-law, bless her heart, gave me a yellow and black Phillips. What brand is it? No. What is it? Stanley. See, wives are good like that. I said Phillips. She said, no, it was a Stanley. And I'm thinking, wife, it was 13 and a half years ago, like during engagement season, and she remembers the brand. Good, go for it. You go, girl. That's good. So it was a Stanley. But see, but see, I thought the bigger the toolbox, the, the better I would be. So when we got married, I got the Stanley toolbox. That was a nice portable. Thank you, mother-in-law. Allie in the house. When, when, when we got settled on our house, I wanted the craftsman 
all you guys know what I'm talking about, and girls, I'm not trying to be, you know, sexist or anything weird, but, but you know, like the craftsman toolbox, no, Lana, you know, you know, the big, the wall, the wall kind, you can't take them with you, Chloe, you know, the big blue ones, or you can get red, or you can get dark gray, and you can get them like really big, and did I have any tools? No, but I wanted the big toolbox because it's cool. It's cool, and I was becoming a man. I'm going to be the man of the house, and I'm going to get myself a big craftsman toolbox. So I think my mommy and my daddy bought it for my birthday so I could be a man in my house. And then I got uh, a ratchet set, a craftsman ratchet set. You know, you know, ratchets, you know, you know, ratchets. I got a ratchet set for my toolbox. And then this is back before Amazon was super popular. And this is back before YouTube. And I didn't know how to use the things, but I just tried to stockpile tools in my toolbox because it looked nice and shiny. And, and I didn't really know what to do with the tools. But here's the thing is, is I could have used a tool belt. I mean, a, a carpenter's belt. You know, you wear it around the waist. When you got the carpenter's belt on, wherever you go, you are equipped to do the job. But Jeffy, know what he'd do, he'd, he'd always do it the hard way. So what I do is I get like a nice grocery bag, plastic bag that tools rip right through, and I throw the tools in that bag, and then I go, go do something around the house, maybe in the backyard, because, you know, I had to fix stuff because we had a house and it, it has some issues, and I had to learn. And you always forget certain tools back at the toolbox. So not only do you got to acquire some tools, you got to learn how to use them. And then you got to remember to have them with you. Like there's, there's steps to this thing. And I didn't have any YouTube to tell me how to do this. So what would happen is I always go somewhere that I needed like a, a screwdriver and I'd forget the one thing I needed back at my house in the garage. And it got really frustrating. But had I had a carpenter's belt on, I could have came girded in, in craftsmen and ready to go for anything that would come my way. If I needed a ratchet, if I needed a flathead, if I needed a Phillips, if I needed a hammer, if I needed a tape measure, whatever I needed, I'd have it around my waist. I still don't have one, but maybe I should get one. But it jumped out at me that people underestimate the power of the carpenter in you, in me, because being a carpenter for Christ is powerful. Jesus was a carpenter and he was equipped to do many things because of it. And that's like our life. It's full of challenges and it's guaranteed to have some problems. You're not going to walk through this life without some kind of adversity. And the outcome of how we approach the problems with the right kind of tools is, is what determines how the situations get handled and if they, if they come back around. And many of us can admit that many situations are like the bad barbecuing I used to do and like the forgetful tools I used to forget. Like the, they just keep cycling around, repeating themselves because I don't change how I'm approaching the problem. And so we have these, these repetitious problems repeating themselves and coming back at them with the wrong tools and they're leaving me stuck in the same place I've always been. I mean, how many times am I going to be too lazy just to go get the right tools? Instead, I'll try to do it with a spoon when it calls for a knife and the outcome is not going to be as good, but it's quick and easy. It's familiar. I'm going to keep doing it the wrong way because I don't really want to be bothered. That's my tool experience. That is my carpenter experience, early marriage. I've gotten better. It took 13 years. I've gotten wiser, more thoughtful in the process. But there are a lot of tools out there for you to access. It doesn't mean they're good tools for you to use for your mission, for your work, for your carpentry, for your, for your ministry. It doesn't mean they're good for you to use in your life. You need something. You can order it straight to your door from Amazon. They've got anything. They've got stuff that's not appropriate. 
I just missed voice type something the other day. I was looking for some fishing lures, and you don't even want to know what came up on Amazon. I was shocked at how many tools were out there that were not conducive to my walk with God at my fingertips, two-day shipping. Yeah, you can get a lot of tools, but are they the tools you need? You've been called, I've been called, everyone's been called to be a carpenter in Christ. Everyone has been called to be a carpenter in Christ. We are to walk and see as he does. And though we are not necessarily literally have to be a carpenter as Jesus' day trade was by his earthly father, Joseph, his, his, his half-dad, his stepdad, but, but he, he calls us to be a carpenter in our spiritual journey, like-minded, equipped, able to defend ourselves in battles. And before I can use my tools, I can't wear what I don't possess. I don't even have any tools. I had to go start acquiring some tools along the journey, along the way. I didn't start out with a tool belt loaded, ready for, for battle, ready for some work. I had nothing. I had to get the Stanley, and then I had to get the, the hacksaw, because you just need a hacksaw when you get married. It's cool. And there was a Sears, a Sears a hardware by me that no one ever shopped in. I think I was the only customer ever that would go in that store. They went out of business, go figure. They, they, the, the business became a gold gym or something, the club fitness, because there was never anybody in there but me. Every five years, I'd walk in and buy like three bolts for 30 cents, and I didn't know how the place stayed in business. But every once in a while, I need some tools, so I'd acquire these tools between them and the other hardware stores, and, and you can never wear what God told you to be equipped with if you don't possess the tools to begin with. Nowadays, like, I don't know. Again, is it me? Is it a millennial thing? I'm like, I think I'm pre-millennial. Like, now, now, like, the people don't even ask for the toolboxes. Like, they don't want a toolbox. Like, like, who do we call to do that? Like, no, get a toolbox. You need your own tools. You need, to, you need to sharpen your own iron sometimes. You need a toolbox. Like, like grow, man. Like, quit, quit saying, I don't even need no tools anymore. And then you're calling your relatives to help you because you don't have any tools. You need some tools for yourself. What if they're not there to help you fix that? You need to be able to fix it on your own. Now it's not even, I don't even know if it's cool to get a craftsman when you get married. Anybody, anybody newly married online, if it's still cool to get a craftsman toolbox, just say, it's cool. It's cool. So what am I using to fight my battles right now? What, do I, what am I wearing around my waist right now to fight my battles? I'm trying to fix my problems that are repeating themselves. Maybe I'm like using gossip to find peace. That won't work. Gossip stirs up fires like gasoline poured on a fire. But maybe I've been trying to find peace, but I gossip. That doesn't work. That's not a good tool. Maybe I'm trying to find true love, but I'm lusting over everything I see like, like a lost dog. Like, like, like maybe I can't figure out why I can't find meaning, meaningful relationships because I'm just like a lost, lustful puppy. That doesn't work. See, so I'm, I'm going about the problem with the wrong tool. I'm looking for a solution with something that's actually creating me more problems. I'm dumping gasoline on my own fire, asking God, put it out. He's saying, I'm trying to, but you keep dumping gasoline on your own fire. Maybe I'm trying to find happiness and acquire through envy. But then I can never be happy because I'm always comparing myself to what you have. And if I don't have what you have, then I can't be happy. And once I get what I get, then I'm bored because I'm bored because I'm used to getting something so often I can never find fulfillment because those things are empty inside once you have them long enough. Happiness starts in here. So maybe I'm trying to find happiness with something that's the wrong tool. It's the wrong tool like flathead 
drill bits, mini driver bits. Anybody know what a mini driver is? It's like a little baby power drill. That, that is the best tool you will ever keep in your house. The best tool ever is the mini driver battery powered drill. You can pop in and out different drill bits, but let me give you some, some godly wisdom right here. That Phillips mini driver bits were from God, but flathead mini driver bits are from the devil. And if you don't know what I'm saying, you will find out soon. You just get yourself one of those flathead mini driver bits and because you got to use them on, on, you know, you got to use them on certain things because whoever made the thing said, why could we make it Phillips? Because they were of the devil, evidently. See, because God God made Phillips drill bits. And so so the things that are flatheads, like your light switch covers, you just go in there and then, then boom, you smash your finger because the thing always slips out and it's of the devil. See, see, it was the wrong tool for the problem. And I just wanted to let you know it's biblical that God made Phillips screwdrivers and the devil made flathead of anything. And you know what else the devil made? The devil made Allen wrenches. And you know, some of you will find that out when you start putting your kids junk toys together and they give you this little piece of metal. I won't say piece of garbage or whatever. You thought I was going to say something else. No, this piece of metal, this, they give you this thing, and it strips and it's broken. All of a sudden, you've ruined the bolt head on your kid's toys because you had to turn the thing and actually make it tight. And if you actually turned it too tight, it would crack because it's junk press board. And so they give you the little Allen wrenches instead of it being, again, a godly Phillips screwdriver. No, we can't give you Phillips bolts. We got to give you an Allen wrench. So that's the devil, see, because it always breaks. And then you're, then, you're, then you're doing ungodly things in your driveway, throwing stuff, going, why did I have to get some Something that took Allen wrenches. Can I get an amen? Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. I know y'all touched the Allen wrenches. Just beware. Beware of wolves and sheep's clothing. But see, I was going at it with the wrong tool. As I got older and put together more things for my kids, for our house, whatever it is the wife ordered, another cube storage unit, whatever it is, dear God, help me. You, you start to pay more attention and see, okay, if I have this kind of tool and I use it this way, I might be more successful. So then your failure rate goes from eight out of 10 to maybe one out of 10 because you're slowly getting wiser with how you're approaching the problem, which actually brings a solution. But you can't wear what you don't possess. So if you don't have the right tools to begin with, and we're going to get there. You're like talking about Sears and Craftsman tools, Pastor. Yes, I know, but I'm going to get there. You just hold on to your seat. Some of you don't have a belt. I don't have a belt yet. I'm working on it. But if I did, it'd be convenient because I'd be always equipped. Some of you got the toolbox in the garage, but you know, you know what happens with those toolboxes when the lid's shut, the drawers lock. When the lid is shut, all the drawers lock. So you can't access God's provision when you've got the lid shut on his tool chest, his weapons, his tools. You can't, you can't access the Bible when you won't open it. You can't recall wisdom from, from the Psalms when you've never read them. You can't, you can't pull out what you need when you won't crack open the lid. You got to open the lid. Elbow your neighbor violently and tell him, open the lid. Don't hurt him, though. We want him to stay conscious while we're watching this sermon. Tell him to open the lid because if you don't open the lid, all the drawers with God's tools are locked. You got to open it. You step, I step, you open, I open. You got to open the lid to get access. It's God's provision. It's a supply. 
But remember, just like the, the carnal tools I've been talking about, there's a supply that not only do I have to find it, I have to access it, and then I got to use it the way God intended me to use it. So what tools should I put on my belt? What tools should I put on my belt? Well, guess what? Word upon word, line upon line, precept upon precept, God tells us what to put on our belt. If we go to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 14 through 18, Paul says boldly, verse 14, stand therefore, have it girded your waist. Oh snap, he knew what I was saying about this belt. Having girded your waist with what? With truth. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the peace of the gospel, above all, taking the shield of faith. This isn't the kind of tools I was thinking. Yep, God works in mysterious ways. I need to take the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all fiery darts from the devil. Go ahead, shoot me. It's like a Nerf bullet to me, devil, when I got my shield of faith. You can't do nothing to me with your Nerf bullets. I laugh in the sight of your very temptation to my to my. To my heart, you can't, you can't tempt me, devil. You got to go. I got my shield, he says. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Did you know the word is like a sword? It cuts people. Did you know words start wars? Did you know words bring peace? The word of God can do all things. It starts with the word. It's a sword. It's a weapon to protect you. Praying always with all prayer and supplication, petition, in the spirit of the Holy Spirit of God, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication. There are my supplies for all the saints. Excuse me, petition. I didn't think my belt would look like that. It sounds kind of heavy. I'm supposed to wear a breastplate of righteousness. I'm supposed to have that. I'm supposed to have my feet shotted, like with some Jordans. He says, shod your feet so you have the peace of the gospel underneath you, like with some Jordans. No, no, they look nice, but he's not talking about Air Jordans, though they do look godly and very nice, and I have a couple pairs, and I only wear them for church because I don't want to mark them things. The peace of the gospel upon your feet. When you stand upon the peace of the gospel, your foundation shall not be shaken. You know, God is peace and also Jesus is our rock and on and on. And a house divided against itself can't stand. It's like being on quicksand with a bad foundation on and off. You build your house upon quicksand, it will sink. Shod your feet with the peace of the gospel, baby. I got a shield. It's my faith. So when someone tries to attack my character, my integrity, my manliness, my family, my intention, my heart, I just put up my shield, which shall protect me against all fiery darts. And that's going on my, that's going on my belt. It's going on my belt. You've been called to be a carpenter in Christ. A helmet. Of salvation. What's that mean? That means when I'm in the battle, I can remember where I'm going. Because even when I'm going to fight this battle, at the end, the sun comes out on a Sunday morning, and I'm going I'm to win this fight because I know where I'm going. 
I've got the salvation of the Lord, of the blood that cleansed my past and made me new. And I shall be a soldier for the Lord with the helmet of my salvation. I've got the sword of the Spirit, the sword, the breastplate of righteousness. I've got the attributes of God all over me when I quit myself with God and his word and I can pray in the spirit and I can petition to God when I know not what to pray for the spirit shall make it intercession for my infirmities or weakness so when I don't get it and the waves keep feeling dizzy because I still feel it I really do I go out there and mind myself that I can pray to my Lord and he remembers my battle and he reminds me of where I'm going and that I'll get there touch your neighbor tell him you'll get there You'll get there. You will get there. Y'all thought this was about Sears or some of you old timers, you call it Sears Roebuck. We just call it Sears, but technically they're Sears Roebuck. And um, I've been at the lake a lot this week, so my, my Southern thing's coming out. Sorry about that. Listen, listen, Sears makes Craftsman, if I'm not mistaken, and Craftsman has a lifetime Warranty, but we're not talking about a tool with lifetime warranty here. We're talking about tools that have eternal warranties. They are eternally guaranteed. They're better than a craftsman you drop in the lake. You don't have to call them and get another one because these will never fall away if you keep them on your belt. This is how I persevere. This is how I persevere. Quit repeating the cycle. Maybe this is too narrow-minded. Maybe we could abstract this a bit, a bit. Maybe I'm repeating the cycle of what I was taught. And I see myself going down the same paths of what I was taught. And maybe those who instilled in me were using the wrong weapons to deal with their battles. And so God has called you to change out the toolbox and put them on your belt so you can do different and you can show your kids different maybe that's what your tools are for in your season that you're in these tools can work for many situations they're multi-applicable they're universally applicable this is more than sears roebuck this is how i persevere and, and, and this belt and these tools feel heavy but i have to remember that God is the one carrying the weight. When I put on the armor for Jesus, God is the one carrying the weight because this tool belt didn't look nothing like I thought it would look. I always prejudged the people who had godly tools on and I thought they were weird until I had to pick up that belt and wear them myself. And then I go, I get it. Thank you, God. It's called revelation. And God wants to give you one. These are not just some tools for Sears, from Sears. These are weapons to defend my faith. The Bible says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. These weapons or tools are not carnal. They're mighty through God for pulling down strongholds. These tools allow me to fight through my battle. 
If you could all stand with me. A carpenter's belt. You didn't even know you were called to be a carpenter in Christ. You were. We're all called to be carpenters in Christ. So that means we have to find the provision, God's word. We have to pull out what we need. The breastplate of righteousness, the shot, the, the piece of the gospel, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, prayer and supplication through the spirit of the Holy, Holy Spirit. We have to pull out the tears and then we, the, the tools and then we have to use them in our walk. It's three steps. Find the supply, pull out the tools and use them according to the scripture. And you shall be strong in the Lord in the sight of your enemies, in the sight of the attack of the world. I can do all things. Everybody say this with me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. All things through Christ who strengthens me. So when I'm dizzy from rocking back and forth, day to day, they're running together. What day is this? What time is it? Do I even need to set my alarm? What's the point? There is a point that you need your routine back because God's got a plan for you and he needs you to be sharp as iron. He needs you to not be dull and worn. He needs you to sharpen up and he's going to do that with his help. But you got to let him in and remember the sun is shining. You can step outside of that gloom because the sun is shining. Lord, we come to you right now thankful that we have an opportunity to be reminded of the defense of the gospel and how we are to handle life being thrown at us through your word, that there is nothing I can't do when you're in me and operating through me. I can defeat giants. I can climb mountains. I can rebuke the enemy. I can do all things through you, Lord, for you strengthen me. God, I will walk in tomorrow thankful. I will walk in tomorrow grateful because even though it feels like an eternity to me, it's only a few more weeks to you. And though it feels impressive to me, it's just a little bit of the miracles you can do because you're omnipotent. You're omniscient. You are ever present. You have no counselor. You have no beginning. You are the beginning and the end. You have no one to answer to. So what is magnificent to us is just a fraction to you. And that's how much bigger your plan is for us than we can understand. And that's how much bigger your love is for us than we can understand. And that's how much bigger your understanding Standing is for us than we could under, ever understand of you and why you allow certain things to strengthen us when we think it's not fair. We know that you ultimately have the answer and that's what matters. God, help us stay laser focused because we're ready to fight, God. We're ready to go after it, God. We're ready to see stimulant growth in your kingdom, God, in your house. We're ready to see people come to your house that would have never come before had it not been for this season in our lives, in our world. And we are ready, God, to bring people together and not divide them apart, but give the gospel to everyone. And if the house of God could say, in Jesus' name, Amen.